welcome to the Fiercely Unstoppable Podcast. I'm your host, Brooke Allison, Mind Shift Coach and Achievement Strategist. I am here to help you completely up-level your confidence, find massive clarity, and dive deep into your purpose so that you can create a business and a mindset that is fiercely unstoppable. Each week, I will bring you a guest or a thought that will help you up-level your energy, bust through those fears, find clarity, and overcome all of the obstacles so that you can step into your most powerful and confident self. We do not let our circumstances hold us back. We become fiercely unstoppable in the pursuit of what sets our soul on fire. Get ready to up-level your confidence every single day and attract the life that you are absolutely obsessed with. Are you ready? Let's have some fun. Hello, my fiercely unstoppable listeners. I'm so excited you are here. We've got another incredible interview for you today from the Glow Podcast Row event, where I went to New York City and was a top podcaster interviewing these incredible entrepreneurs. You are going to love and be so impacted by the interview we have today. Kristen Harness is the founder and CEO of Extended Hands of Hope and Good Heart Collaborative. She is passionate about speaking against injustice, providing care, and healing options for girls and women who have experienced sexual trauma and building community for the incredibly brave and resilient women who have careers in helping others. She has a stubborn vision to see a future where girls and women are free from abuse, judgment, guilt, shame, and fear. I believe we would all love to be in a world like that. I'm so excited to have her jump on and share her expertise and share her heart, share her story, and really what they are doing in the business she has. I can't wait to get started. Let's just go ahead and dive straight in. Welcome back to Fiercely Unstoppable. I am so excited to be here. This is an incredible, incredible, uh, exciting experience because we have Kristen Harness. And she is going to share her story and share her message. And thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. This yeah. is awesome. Why don't you start us off by telling us a little background. How did you get to where you are today? And what do you do? Well, I'll start with what I do, I guess. Sure. <laughs> um, so I'm the founder and CEO of a Colorado-based nonprofit called Extending Hands of Hope. And I'm also in the process of starting my own for-profit business called Executive 31. Mm. So Extending Hands of Hope, our mission there is to offer safe housing and supportive services to survivors of sex trafficking. So yeah. we typically work with girls ages 11 to 17, but we do work with some um, adult women. But we have a, a safe home, actually opened up the first safe home in Denver specifically for wow. this population. And we have a licensed school called Forward Learning Academy. We have a community program where we offer a continuum of care for the girls once they leave the safe home. And then we just opened up a bakery, social enterprise bakery oh, called fine. Simply Good Cakery. And we use that to um, raise awareness about human trafficking because it's such a dark and and heavy subject that people yeah. don't want to hear about. And so we use these little cupcakes that are fun and oh, lighthearted to yes. to get our you know foot in the door somewhere and talk about human trafficking. Where's the bakery so people can listen? Because I live in Denver, so yeah. I have some followers in Denver. People are like, ooh, yes, tell me please. more, where um, is that? So right now we're using a commissary kitchen, Okay, so, cool. but we offer delivery and pickup. And so Amazing. if you go to simplegoodcakery.com, you can order on yeah. there. We're starting orders up again in February because awesome. we kind of took 
January off. So, um, and then with Executive 31, I'm, I'm working on that, just kind of was birthed out of my experience as a female nonprofit executive. And um, I, I'm focusing this business on helping other women that are in my shoes. And yeah. um, so just to go back to kind of my story, yeah, it, like it's what a lot, but encouraged you to get into this field because yeah. like you said earlier, it's not something that a lot of people want to talk about. It's not something right. that a lot of people have awareness of, right. but it's a really important pressing matter. Right. And it's important. It's one of those things that I, I feel like you have to be so strong and I am so happy and yeah. honored to be in your space because you. the strength that you have to be able to have this mission is yeah. incredible. Yeah, I don't always feel strong. I know. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, I just feel like somebody somebody has to do it. You know, right. Somebody has yeah. to be there and help these girls and be a voice for them um, because so many people don't want to hear it. They, they just... It's just too ugly for them. Right. Um, or when they hear about this issue of human trafficking, and specifically for us, child sex trafficking. Okay, mm -hmm. we're talking about the average age of entry into the commercial sex industry in the United States is 12 years old. Wow. We're working with girls sometimes younger than that. There's babies that are being trafficked in Colorado, in my home state, and all wow. around. And so people, you know, rightfully so, they rather pretend that that doesn't happen. And so yeah. There are there needs to be people out there mm -hmm. that are saying, hey, I'm going to accept that this is a reality and I want to do something about it. So I don't always feel strong, but I feel called to yeah. it. And I, I think it's birth from what I've experienced. I won't get into all the details, but, you know, I grew up without my dad. My dad mm -hmm. was uh, I experienced domestic violence, witnessed it between my dad and my mom. And my dad left when I was five years old in and out of my life experienced a lot of the kind of common negative repercussions of of mm -hmm. a young girl not having her father in her life and right so i you know looked for love in all the wrong places i wanted to be accepted i wanted any man who walked my way to mm. to validate me and want me and so um you know i just kind of lived a, a destructive life i carried around a lot of anger and hurt at the age of 14 i was sexually assaulted by mm, a, so sorry a little older guy that i knew and you know had the police deal with the situation but nothing ever happened there was I never even received follow back follow up from the wow. police, and so my experience with that really stuck with me. And I I never told my mom or anybody. You know, I just kind of kept that in. Yeah. And a few friends knew because it happened at a party, and they're the ones that actually found me and and mm. called the police. But other than that, I didn't talk about it. Right. And so I I held that in, and that really. Um, created even more brokenness in my in my life, um, and so I was in my teenage years really involved in drinking, partying, very rebe rebellious. I was a very violent girl. I mean, people look at me now and they're like, "Seriously, <laughs> that was you?" But I had a false yeah. identity that I took on. I was I went by a different name. Yeah. Um, so it was wow. just crazy. And then at the age of 17, I was raped by a stranger at a club in downtown Denver. I was left Ooh. on the streets there. You know, just that whole part of my life, there was a lot of just sexual violence and assaults and yeah. and all that kind of stuff that was just going on around the people that I was hanging around with. It was just like common, common nature, like common environment. 
And it was it was really damaging and destructing. And yeah, destructive. and I and I can understand that, right? That is some terrible stuff that I hope that most people don't have to endure. And right. I, you know, my heart reaches out to you. But the most beautiful thing about this that I'm, you know, really sitting here and I I, I want to smile, but not in like the bad way, right. but because here's where you are today. Yes. And I think that when people go through these traumatic experiences, mm-hmm. and not even I think I know that. When people go through through these traumatic experiences, they always have a choice mm-hmm. to, okay, I can take this path. Right. I mean, there's multiple choices. It's not black and white, but they can take this path or they can take this path and help others. So yeah. obviously you went through all this stuff and this encouraged you to maybe do this, but how did we get mm-hmm. to the point where you decided, I'm going to start a business. Right. I'm going to choose myself right. rather than, um, you said that, okay, I was looking for love in all the wrong places. How did that transition? I'd love to talk about self-love a little bit too. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to go back to what you said about that choice. Yeah. I had to just a year and a half ago face what I went through and I wow. had to be able to accept the fact that I didn't choose to have those bad things happen to me, right. but I absolutely had the choice to decide to move forward and to heal absolutely and to face them and, and to yeah. do something about it. And yeah. so that's so important. We do have a choice in our healing. Uh, but going through those things, experiencing those things um, led me to, I, I was just at rock bottom. Yeah. I went to this local church, you know, I was mm. looking for something. I was Which looking. church did you go to? I'm so curious. because Well, I, right now I go to Flatirons Church. I love Flatirons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but okay. this is not the church I'm talking about. Flatirons okay. is a great church. I was like, this I is, just miss Colorado. Let's just reminisce. Yeah. This, <laughs> Flatirons is great. I've been going there for about six years now, but this yeah. is, I'm, I'm not actually not going to name this church, but That's I went okay. to this church for 15 years. Yeah. Dealt with um, sexual exploitation and sexual mm. abuse in that church um, by the pastor's son there. And wow. And I, and I bring that up because I want to paint this picture of yeah. this incredibly broken, dark place that I was yeah. in. And what happened with me is I finally, this is probably around the age of 21, 22, I finally just hit my lowest of low. Yeah. I was like, I, I need change. And, mm. you know, I'm a Christian woman and, and I attribute my, my healing to my relationship with God. And so I just accepted God into my heart and I was like, all right, I I need my life to be changed. And it wasn't this instant thing, No, but something happened in me. Literally somebody said to me the next day when I went in, they're like, where is this dark cloud? You used to carry around this dark cloud on you and you look so light and bright now. And it was amazing. And so it was just this process. Yeah. It was just this process and I knew that I was healing yeah. when I stopped looking at myself and all the stuff that I had gone through and self-pity and I started having this overwhelming compassion for other young women mm. and, and young girls that had gone through sexual violence of any kind and injustice yeah. and oppression, which by the way, while we sit here and do this interview, mm-hmm. millions of people are being abused and mm. oppressed and enslaved and rejected and abandoned. And I just started having this compassion for them. And so I took some trips. I went to Thailand. I went to Haiti after the earthquake. And I just wanted to to do what I could to be there with the people that nobody else wanted to be with. And I just had a love for those people. I mean, it was because I knew that I had been at the lowest of low and that you could heal. 
yeah. you could change. You don't have to let that be yeah. your life and define the rest of your life. Yes. And so that, when I went to Thailand, I went to Thailand in 2004, Pattaya, and it's about 62 miles southeast of Bangkok. It was 70%, back then, 70% of the population was involved um, in prostitution. It's a sex tourism town, mm. so everywhere I went were Western men and Thai women and children. And it, it just rocked my world. That trip was insane for me and I remember just like dropping to my knees in the middle of the streets in Thailand and I was just bawling my eyes out for these these women and these yeah. children that were being exploited and being trafficked and I was like what the hell I had never really heard the term human trafficking before so I left there I think it's something that people you know I feel like we hear it in the movies yeah and it's something that I even ask sometimes I'm like is this actually happening in our country like I, yes. I like because it's, it's something that we don't know enough about it's something that I don't know enough about you right. know and I I'm not that I'm not curious about it because mm -hmm. it, it's it's crazy and that's why I think that what you do and this power of this platform that you have to be able to make people more aware is really it's really so incredible important. because people just don't know and if yeah. people aren't reporting about it and if people aren't talking about it they're never gonna know right and the trouble is when people hear human trafficking, yeah. they think of places like Thailand. Right, they right, think right. Of Rather Cambodia. than, like you said, it, even in Denver, in your hometown, Colorado has some of the highest instances of reported child sex trafficking in the wow. nation. And the and the trouble is, it looks different here than it does in Thailand. Yeah. So when we're looking, and it looks different here than it than it does in the movies, right? Mm -hmm. Like the movie right, Taken. Right, of course. It's like, you know what I I'm know. saying? Everybody says <laughs> that. I That's why I brought it up. My mom was like, what if you get taken? I was like, I'm no. not going to get taken. It's going to be good. Like, it, you know, and she was kind of joking at the I same know. time, but she, but, but, you but know, there's people, a misconception. Exactly. About it. I mean, me, that's what me, you know, media does. Like yes. you just don't really know what to really, yes. what is really the truth right. or what's actually going on. Except and for when people like you speak up and say, Hey, this it. is, this is what's happening. Yes. You know? And it's, you know, it's a crime that people say is hidden in plain sight. Yeah. So it's, it's really all around us. It yeah. literally, it's all around us. It's from, if you're talking about human trafficking, you know, you're talking about labor trafficking, sex trafficking, and then child sex trafficking. Okay. Mm. So those are the three overarching forms of human trafficking. And then it happens within different um, areas under that, like within the family, within massage parlors, within mm. nail salons, within restaurants, within the hospitality industry, yeah. on the streets, online. Mm. And so it's important for us to understand what it looks like, what the red flags are, yeah. because we're totally missing it. We are, right. as a society here, we are totally missing what trafficking is. But going back after I left that after I left Thailand, I spent years trying to educate myself on human trafficking so I could mm -hmm. understand right. what did I just see, right. wh who is it happening to, what does it look like, how can I help was the last question for me was how mm. can I help. I can no longer – because, you know, going back to my passion for, for women and children that have gone through sexual violence, to me this was the worst because not only – were they being raped on a daily basis? Let's just keep it real. That's what it is. Um, somebody else is profiting off of it. Mm. And to me, that's the most disturbing thing. Right. And so I started thinking that I was going to, you know, go live in Thailand and save <laughs> Thailand. And then I uh, realized, started hearing that it's the second fastest growing organized crime in the United States. It's wow. not new. Okay. Right. It's been going on. We're just starting to recognize it a lot more. Wow. Um, but that was happening all over the U.S., all over Colorado, that, and that I didn't need to go back to Thailand to do anything. And so that birthed in me this idea of starting the nonprofit Extending Hands of Hope mm. because 
during that time trying to understand the uh, the environment in Colorado in regards to human trafficking, I found out that there was no safe home at all for these girls. Mm -hmm. So there you've got these young girls, 13 year old girl, 90 percent or more of them have a past history of sexual abuse. So they've been abused their whole life. Now they're being trafficked. Yeah. And now there was no place for them to go. Yeah. And so that's how Extending Hands of Hope started. That's so amazing. Opened up a safe home, grew from there. Did you there. start this on your own? I did. Or did you have, okay, so you didn't have anyone partner with you. You're kind of oh, like, no, okay, no. I'm going mean, to run absolutely. full force and do no, this. No, no, no. You can't do this without other people. Well, of course, so of course. So the right. main thing for me was um, taking this vision that I had for the safe home, yeah. sharing it with people yeah. and bringing the community. I mean, the community has been so incredible. That's awesome. And the nonprofit alone, since we started six years ago, we've doubled our donations and revenue every year. Um, so people are really getting behind yeah. supporting these young girls, you That's know? That's so awesome. Um, it gives so, me goosebumps just like thinking yeah, about that. It's such an incredible program. I know I'm a little bit biased, but we have <laughs> such an amazing team and we have yeah. grown so much over the years and I'm just so proud I of love the that program. Because it's something that obviously we can tell um, but just how excited you are to talk about this, yeah. you know, that you are very passionate about this. And it's, I think it goes to show that when you are this passionate about something, you go, something I talk about my clients all the time Mm -hmm. is um, when you are figuring out your brand and your message and your story and your mission and what is it that I want to say to the world is, okay, what can I go on a rant on? Right. What what do I call bullshit on that I want to just talk about because I think that this is shitty and someone else is saying this over here, but this is what I actually believe. And I can tell that you are such a powerhouse and um, really on a mission to serve the world, which is absolutely beautiful to yeah. see. And I hope people, I can feel it. I mean, obviously across from the room from you, <laughs> but you. I hope people can feel it from your voice and, and the really true mission that you have. And I kind of want to bring us back to the power of decision mm-hmm. because I think I have a podcast episode on that yeah. <laughs> actually. I'll but listen to it. Yes, please do. I think it was like beginning cool. podcast Brook Life, but it's so incredible because we were talking about earlier how you had those different paths and you're mm-hmm. like, okay, I could have done this. I chose to do this. I went to Thailand. I did all of these things. Yeah. Yet you said something shifted inside of you mm-hmm. at one moment. Yeah. How could we, what tips do you have for if someone who's going through something that feels really dark and feels mm-hmm. really heavy and they're kind of in this place of, I don't know why this is happening to me or I don't know how I'm going to get out of it. Yeah. What am I going to do? And, and maybe it doesn't have to be, you know, a big cause, but it's someone who's in pain somehow. Right. But knowing they can choose again, what advice do you have for them? And how could you maybe lead them back into the self-love discovery of knowing that they are enough? Right. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I think there's a few answers, but my number one, if I'm looking at my own situation, yeah. is I had to talk to somebody. Mm, I had yeah. to make the decision to finally talk to somebody about it. And that's it. And so important because yeah. things get, get in our head and then they get really jumbled. Yes. And then they, they, you know, we have an inner mean girl or guy, Correct. whoever's listening, doesn't matter. Correct. But we have an inner mean girl or guy for a reason. And yeah. that's why people talk about that because it's there. It's nagging you. It's saying you're not enough. You're not enough. And right. that's not the truth. Right. So talking to someone is huge, though, because you get someone else's opinion it was for me and especially, you know, at the nonprofit where yeah. we are doing everything we can to try to help these girls yeah, because a lot, they come to us and even like 
us when we go through something we don't we don't want to walk around and think that we're a victim of anything you know we yeah. would a lot of times for me i just wanted to pretend all these things didn't happen to me and i didn't want to face the fact that i actually was a victim of something and so right. when you for me at least and i think for a lot of people honestly when you're walking around with that baggage and yeah. that darkness and yeah. those things that happen to you but you're too afraid to talk about or you're too afraid to face and you think and it's a, that they're not yeah, affecting you right it's like uh, one of those things that it's so heavy that you're like i don't even know who to talk about this with like a why like, i went who, to who a wants therapist. to hear about it you know yeah. right of course, of course. I, I chose yeah. a, a therapist that i did a bunch of research on because i don't trust people to be quite yeah. honest um, I, I trust my husband. Yeah. <laughs> but there's only so much that you can talk about with somebody, with, with my husband. You know, there's only yeah, so much you can talk course, about. And he right. did a great job. I mean, he, he was definitely used, I feel, by God to help me during the healing process mm. and through all of this. But I also went to a therapist. And it was really important for me to have somebody that was trained and licensed mm -hmm. to help me walk through yeah. what I had gone through. And so that was a big step for me. Mm -hmm. So I would recommend, whether it's a therapist or somebody else, just yeah. talk to somebody about it and, yeah. and let it get out. Because I'm telling you, it's like poison inside of you if you don't yeah. talk to somebody. And I think it depends on how deep the root issue is, right? right. That's obviously something that definitely needed to go down the therapy route. Right. You know, and, and just knowing, I think the beautiful message here is, is knowing that you can ask for help. Absolutely. That's like the first things first, ask for help yes. and know that people will want to listen, yes. whether that's through a coach, a friend, a loved one, whatever that is, or yeah. if that's a therapist, whatever that looks like asking for help is so key it to is. getting out of this feeling of, wow, why is this happening? Mm -hmm. Why am I going through this? Like yeah. why me? Yeah. And realizing that you could turn this into something really beautiful. You can. You can absolutely take your mess yes. and turn it into a message for yes. somebody else. Uh, you know? Take your uh, mess and turn it into a yeah, message. You can. I, you know, something I say a lot <laughs> is that your message and your mission is bigger than your bullshit, right. right? And so that's basically what you just said. It's it's turning this messy stuff. And I mean, we're not shy to talking about messy stuff on this podcast. Mm -hmm. We've talked about, you know, um, the things that I've gone through, the things that other people have gone through. We've had a lot of people on this podcast talk about the different you know, experiences that they've had that were life transformational. Right. And I think it just goes to show here's where I am now. Yes, this happened to me, but mm -hmm. you can also create this really beautiful life where now you get to help other people, Correct. which is so amazing. And then tell me again, what does Executive 31 do? Is that paired with the nonprofit or is it kind of something separate? I'm so excited about it. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of both. Okay. So the nonprofit in all transparency, I'm getting ready to, in 2020, to transition out of working at Extending Hands of Hope, and I'm going to focus on Executive 31. And over my, not be, I mean, I'm going to support Extending Hands right. of Hope. I'm yeah. just going to do it in this new way. Right. So over my years of being nonprofit executive, mm -hmm. uh, I... I mean, oh my gosh, constant burnout. It is mm. such a hard field to be in. Yeah. Not just not How just do you the handle that? So, because I mean, a lot of people, I mean, burnout happens to everyone, it especially does. entrepreneurs, because we are high achievers and we're yes. badasses and we want to really lonely. make a difference. It gets 
Ugh. Lonely. And I feel like the more you go to the top, the lonelier it, it gets. Does. Which is yeah. why it's so important to have that community. But um, as you continue your conversation, I'd love mm-hmm. to know a few tips of what you do to deal with burnout yeah. and how you kind of get back on track. I don't know if I'm the best <laughs> to <laughs> share okay. any tips on burnout. Um, I've been through about three major episodes of burnout over the past six years. Wow. And, yeah. and again, burnout happens in all professions. In yeah. the nonprofit world, it can be even harder because you have so many different people that you have to please all the time. You know, mm. as a nonprofit executive, you have to, and as a female, okay? So as a female nonprofit executive, in your job, you have to please the staff, you have right. to please the donors, you have to please There's the board members, the clients, wow. mm-hmm. all the contracts that, that you're working with, the government, everybody. And it gets really exhausting in that manner. And then you feel really alone because you can't really talk to your board about everything. You can't talk to your staff. You feel like you don't really have anybody. And when you feel mm. so alone, yeah. like in your mess like that, um, it gets just, it's super isolating and yeah. super overwhelming. Um, and so that can, that really leads to burnout. Somebody like me, I'm like, I am a, I'm not stopping until it's done kind of a girl. Like I'm like a do it, get my hands dirty. I'll go eat at a fancy restaurant and then I'll go roll around (laughs) in the dirt if that's what it means, you know, whatever whatever I need to do, I'm all in. (laughs) Um, I love that. Yeah. And so that's tough for me because I have a really hard time with boundaries. I have a really, and it's, it's self-imposed. And and I love that you're aware of this though, right? Because the first key to change of anything is one awareness. We have to be aware of what is going on here to be able to know that, hey, this is something that we can identify as something we want to change. We want to do better. You have to because- You know, I'm a mom too, and I have yeah. two kids. You are and, a Wonder Woman, <laughs> and I homeschooled during oh this time. I'm not anymore, but yeah. so it was just it was a lot, and yeah. um, so I just experienced burnout. And for me, what helped me was my husband was a huge help, yeah. and it was having that and, support and system. Phyllis. Phyllis is one of our staff members, Aww. and she just encouraged me all the time. I'm mm. telling you, one thing that helped me was an encouraging word. Out of the blue, mm. she would just send me something like, hey, you got this. You can do this. Because Ugh. in my mind, I'm like, I can't do this. I, I can't, I'm going to. And it was just something. Just the timing of it was amazing. I'm going to and- give everyone an assignment right now. Yeah. I want you to text someone. And just say, you've got this. Yeah. You can do this. It's powerful. I believe in you. Yeah. And whatever you feel like the message needs to be, because I have goosebumps. You saying that, I joke about, I joke about this a lot, mm-hmm. but I'm actually very serious. Um, eventually in my professional career, I plan on hiring someone to sit on my couch and just tell me how amazing I am yeah. and that I look beautiful. And hey, Brooke, that was such an amazing idea. Like, I'm so proud of you mm-hmm. because affirmations are key and I don't know what your love language is, is but everybody wants to feel appreciated yeah. and everybody wants to feel loved and yes. they want to feel heard and so that's incredible that you had someone in your corner and I'm so yes. excited for all of the listeners to be that person for someone today yeah. just do thank it thank you so much for sharing it that can change that's somebody's day powerful and that's what I that's what I'm doing with executive 31 yeah I okay. realized that how powerful it was for me yeah. and there are a lot of women nonprofit female executives which is my target market for executive 31 there's a lot of these women that are they're literally sacrificing their life to make this world a better place okay wow. yeah to help people Incredible. to help communities to help neighborhoods to help yeah. this world yeah. and they're sacrificing their their health their mental health their wow. families mm-hmm. to to something that is beyond themselves right mm. and so the problem is the tenure for nonprofit female executives 
is four to seven years. And then a lot of them are leaving the nonprofit world altogether. And it's because it's just too much. I was like, I don't even know. I don't know much about nonprofits. A lot of people don't. And when people hear nonprofits, you know, this is what happens with me too. They kind of, they're like, oh, cute. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. Like, oh, that's a nonprofit. Wow. Like you're, you have a big message. Yeah. yeah, And And they, they don't take it serious, but it's, it's a serious field to be in. You know, you're carrying the weight of literally other people's lives on your shoulders too. That's the reality. We're not here to save anybody. We empower these girls and these young women to move forward in their own healing. We try to bring them the resources they need. But at the end of the day, we carry that that burden on us. So you, know? you are going from empowering younger women to empowering mm-hmm. the people yes. who are running these nonprofits yes. and all of that. That's because really, when they're really strong yeah. and they're filled up and oh, they're yeah. encouraged, then they can pour out to others. Absolutely. I mean, we've all heard of the cliche saying you have to fill your cup in order to pour into someone else. Just true. But it's the it's the truth. Yep. It's it's a saying for a reason. Right. And it is the truth. Yeah. Wow. This has been so incredible okay I have to ask my my signature question of the podcast and I know you've talked about a lot of things that you've been able to overcome which I'm so honored and um and just blessed that you were able to open up to us so I really appreciate you for doing that but this podcast is all about becoming fiercely unstoppable so can you tell us about a time that you did overcome an obstacle could be any obstacle at all and when you did Mm -hmm. you felt victorious Yeah, I'm going to tell you, there have been multiple obstacles opening up this nonprofit. Yeah. And so, I mean, I have felt the lowest of lows trying to open up this nonprofit and the highest of highs. Yeah. And so entrepreneurship too. It is. It is. I mean, it's totally transferable to all kinds of different fields. But for me recently, it it was just the beginning stages of extending hands of hope and opening it. And you would think that when people would hear about this topic, this subject of human trafficking, and that you were going to do something about it to help these girls, you would think everybody would be on board, but that's not the truth. We were up against a lot of people opposing us, Mm. even helping these girls. A lot of people saying it couldn't be done, that it was too hard, that these girls were prostitutes. And for me, you have to understand this was a vision of mine years before I started opening up Extending Hands of Hope. And so it was very defeating for me. Yeah. And it's almost like someone saying, hey, here's you're out there sharing your passion. Yeah. And all these naysayers and these trolls are coming up and saying, you can't oh, do Oh, you it. can't do that. That's, you know, not correct. This yeah. is what's actually happening. Or they're not worth it. Not believing in your message. And that's 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 hard. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So for me that I mean that was that was something that I was up against outsiders trying to Ooh, stop what was being done. Yeah. And if we're talking about fiercely unstoppable, I was a stubborn, pardon my language, can I cuss? Yeah, of course. I was course. a stubborn bitch, to be quite <laughs> honest. I'm like, this is, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're like, but no. what the, like, these girls deserve us mm-hmm. doing whatever it takes. So Absolutely. it was just plowing through all of that, yeah. getting the, you know, getting the home, getting the license. It t- took us three years to get the home open and license. And it's still just such a mess, like a mess in terms of, um, getting everybody to support. Yeah. Um, but coming out from that mm-hmm. and like having us be where we are now with the organization, yeah. um, to me, that is something that I'm so proud yeah. of and I feel like was a huge success. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. that's the epitome of fiercely unstoppable, never giving up, having yeah. grit, being resilient. Right. And knowing that 
your mas- your message, your mission mm-hmm. is bigger than anything that you are going through. Yeah. This is awesome. Okay, tell people where they can find you. Tell people yeah. how they can get involved because this is such an important, important message that more people need to share mm-hmm. and really get involved with. And then, yeah, all your social media and all the fun things too. Okay, awesome. So for the nonprofit, it's extendedhandsofhope.org. We're, we are also on Facebook and Instagram under Extended Hands of Hope Colorado. So definitely follow us on there. I put a lot of updates on what we're doing on our social media. For Executive 31, I'm still in the process of that. I do have a website, but we're working on developing all that. Yeah, as but, soon as you have those links, you can send them over. Yes, and we'll drop I would them love in the show to. Notes. And that's an that's an app. We're developing yeah. an app for that, so awesome. we'll be able to share more about that as we go. Yay! Yeah. Well, thank you so much for thank being you. here today. Yes. This was awesome. Thank you guys so so much for spending some time with me on the Fiercely Unstoppable podcast. I am so grateful that you are here, and I'm grateful to be in your ears. If you could just take one moment to share this episode on social media, tag me in it, or even with someone personally that you think would love this, that would be absolutely incredible. Also, if you guys are loving this podcast, be sure to share it with me by leaving a review on iTunes and by subscribing to this channel so I can keep the good stuff coming. I cannot wait to connect with you on the next show. In the meantime, get out there and become fiercely unstoppable.